Hey, are you here? Ah, okay. I need and I want to tell you a little bit more. What you're listening to is an interview show. Now, it's a show that features interviews. We call it the Paul Leslie Hour because, well, that's what it's named. Now, the show has a host, Paul Leslie. He hosts. The show also has an announcer. That's me. Can you hear me announcing? Some call me Dan. Some call me Dad. Some call me, come here, honey. But right now, I'm announcing. That's what announcers do. Now, each episode has a guest. The guest has to answer questions. Well, they don't have to. But so far, all of them have been willing to talk. On this episode, we present an interview from our archives with five-time Tony Award winner Michael John LaCusa. Now, in the world of musical theater, Michael John LaCusa is well-known for his shows, including Hello Again, Marie Christine, Yeah, The Wild Party, and See What I Want to See. He's respected as a composer, a lyricist, and a librettist. And in addition to Michael John LaCusa's work in theater and opera, he's also a performer of his own work at concert and cabaret venues. So in this interview, LaCusa will be talking to Paul E. Leslie about his influences, his history, creative work. And we've got so many interviews we want to get out there to the masses, to the everybody's. Our show is made possible by people like you, or we should say, the supporters. Here's what you do. Visit thepaulleslie.com slash support. Da-da! We thank you for listening and supporting. And now it's time for the Michael John LaCusa interview. Let's listen together. Ladies and gentlemen, it's our pleasure to welcome our special guest, Michael John Lacusa, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Paul, for having me. My first question, who is Michael John? <laughs> no, that's always a good question, isn't it? One wakes up every morning asking that, I think. <laughs> I'm a composer, lyricist, and librettist. I live here in New York City, and I write musicals. Early on, what music did you love the most? Gosh, I loved most everything. The, I grew up in the 70s, so I loved my pop music of that period. I also loved classical music as well as the Broadway show tunes. I grew up enjoying the Calvert show and, you know, Ed Sullivan and all that. So I have pretty eclectic tastes. Let me put it that way. Could you pick anyone or any band that was a favorite? Oh, gosh. Oh, I love them all. I mean... Everything from the Beatles to Dylan to uh, Fleetwood Mac to Bette Midler, you name it. So, I mean, I don't have a favorite, I'll put it that way. When did you feel that you had a musical gift? Uh, when did I feel? or I always felt, I, I always loved music and I always loved to sing when I was a child. And my, uh, my mother uh, loved music as well and her sisters, and we'd always have family sing-alongs. We had a player piano growing up and... Uh, 
be popping the piano rolls and pump away all night singing. So I always love to um, sing, and uh, I always enjoyed music. I started playing piano around the age of 10, even though before then I started playing drums, percussion. And so I've just, um, you know, I've always loved music and, and just figured that, you know, I you know, would keep it in my life. What about reading? Were you a big reader? Oh, yes, very much so, yes. My mom uh, encouraged me to read. I remember she handed me, when I was, I think, like 11 years old, she handed me uh, Turgenev's Father and Son, so you know where she was coming from with it all. But um, I was a voracious reader and still am today. What about poetry? Were you ever into poetry? Yes, like your Emily Dickinson and Walt Whitman, the uh, learned I feel like poetry is growing on me the older I get, the more I, I seem to be returning to the, the classics, the Enid and, and uh, you know, the, the Greek heroes as well, uh, myths and as well as the American romance poets. And so if I, you know, if I'm, the older that I get, the more attracted I, I am to it. Would you say that you're more attracted to the lyrics or the melodies in music? I'm not, I mean, I'm attracted to both. And since I write music and I also write lyric, I pay attention when I hear a new song to both of uh, those elements of a song. So, um, you, you know, it's a song, is, uh, to paraphrase Yip Harburg, it's, you know, it, it's sort of a three dimensions of an idea. In other words, you have the lyric, which is the mind, and the music, which is the, the heart. And combined together, it creates sort of a three dimensional idea, if you will. And uh, so I pay attention to both when I listen to the new music. You just mentioned E.Y. Harburg. As far as mm -hmm. composers and lyricists, do you have a greatest influence on your work? I have great influences on my work. I, like I said, I love all music. I don't, uh, with the pop music of when I was growing up and as well as the classics from music theater, the Rajan Hammerstein through Julie Stein and, uh, Read to Charles Strauss, and of course, Dee Sondheim had a, a great influence on me when I decided that my that I would make a vocation out of writing for the theater. So um, I don't have a greatest one, but I have great influences on me. Can you kind of go back and remember the your first experiences with writing music? Gosh, it would have to be like putting on shows with the neighborhood kids. I would write these uh, sort of quasi-musicals with the neighborhood kids and we'd stage them in our backyard. I remember one of my first ones was sort of a musical based on Patty Hearst. It was sort of Wizard of Oz, but with machine guns, uh, kids growing up playing. <laughs> That's interesting. So, Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> when you started to get serious about doing musicals or theater work, did you have any mentors that showed you the way? Fortunately, I did, yes. I um, One of my great pleasures of my life and a, a great thing that happened to me was to be involved with the BMI workshop, with the Layman Angle BMI workshop, which uh, met every Monday, and you'd bring in uh, songs from a show that you may be working on, and you'd perform them for your peers. And in that group, I met some really remarkable people, uh, Ed Clavin, who wrote the lyrics for chorus line, Maury Eston, the composer lyricist who wrote Titanic and recently Death Takes a Holiday. And of course, my, my, my very wonderful Ellen Fitzhugh, who's a remarkable lyricist who wrote the lyrics uh, for Herringbone and uh, Grind. And uh, um, she she's a, a great mentor to me. And also, I seem to feel like some of my, everybody's a teacher to me, everybody who I, I work with. In, in a certain respect, I've always thought of 
as a mentor. I've been very lucky to have great orchestrators, for instance, to work with Jonathan Tunick who, and Michael Starabin. Working with them, I, I uh, learned an awful lot about orchestration and music. And uh, so everybody, everybody I work with, I like to think of as a mentor and as a teacher. If you could put it into words, what is it you like about theater and musicals? Oh, gosh, I love that that emotions can fly so high and can be so broadly expressed. And I love how music has the ability to take you to a different place, a different world, a different time, a different mindset. And music does that and song does that. And like, for instance, if you watch South Pacific, I, I never, for me at least, I'm never not transported to the South, you know, South Pacific when I listen to that score. And I, I love that mysterious and very magical thing that music making does. And that's what attracts me the most to musicals and, and opera as well. I want to talk about Bernarda Alba. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your experiences with discovering Federico Garcia Lorca's 1936 play. Well, I'd always been familiar with it. I was familiar with pretty much all of the Lorca canon by the time I was at Back to high school, uh, Blood Wedding, of course, uh, Yerma, and of course, uh, Bernarda Alba, the House of Bernarda Alba. And when it came time to um, think of a new project to write and to collaborate with my uh, longtime collaborator, uh, Graziella Danielle, the director choreographer, this idea came around, and I thought it was quite a fascinating idea to approach uh, it through uh, using flamenco music, which is something that I had always admired and respected and was greatly intrigued by. So it was an interest in seeing what, how I could make my own flamenco music that led me to Bernardo Alba. And of all the work of Larkas, I feel like that one was the one that could sing, could be a musical. Blood Wedding is, was not for me that. It was more of a ballet, which I actually had written music for for a, a student ballet years and years ago. But Bernardo Alba was the one that, that seemed to me that had characters that could sing an, an internal life for the characters that could sing. Do you have a favorite musical number from Bernarda Alba? Oh, I, I, I don't know about that. I, I, all of them I like very much. Um, I, I especially love the song Love, Let Me Sing You, which is the girls hearing the lover, Pepe, outside of their house in which they've been locked in by their cruel and very tyrannical mother. It would be Love, Let Me Sing You, where they reenact his, his, this Pepe's love song that he sings outside of the house. That to me is very beautiful. And the women that I have singing on a cast album are absolutely gorgeous singing it. So that would probably be one of my favorites. Tell us about the inspiration behind your musical Little Fish. <laughs> I was introduced to the uh, short stories uh, by the remarkable short story writer, uh, Deborah Eisenberg. And she's a, a, a real American treasure through Carol Rothman, who runs a second stage a theater company here in New York. And she said, she showed me two short stories, and she said, would these make an interesting idea for a musical? And I, one of them was Days, and one of them was called Flotsam. And that's how Little Fish came about, by taking those two stories and combining them into one. And uh, we did that at second stage back in 2003, and, and then at the Blank Theater Company in L.A., where we've made our cast recording, which features Alice Ripley. What about uh, a favorite musical number from Little Fish? Could you pick one? Oh, I love the opening number. That's really rabble-rousing. I, I enjoy that one very much. And there are a couple of really pretty ballads as well. Remember Me, which is a lovely song that her friend Kathy sings when she discovers that she has a health crisis. And uh, 
So uh, that, those would be two of my favorites. I'll give you two of them. <laughs> of all the projects you've worked on, operas, musicals, is there one that's nearest and dearest to your heart? That's always a tough question to answer. They're all, um, they're all near and dear. Um, some of them behave more badly than others, <laughs> too. Um, and so you have a little, might not feel so close to them. But I don't have one that's nearest and dearest, although I have ones that mean, each one means something differently to me. I put it that way. In addition to being a songwriter, you're also a performer. Which do you like more, writing the songs and seeing them performed or performing the songs yourself? Definitely watching the songs and seeing them performed. There's nothing like giving a song over to an actor whom you admire and respect and having that remarkable collaborative opportunity to tailor the song for them. I'm doing that recently here in New York with a new show that's opening called Queen of the Mist, uh, which stars my friend Mary Testa, who has done Marie Christine, See What I Want to See, and, and many of my um, songs uh, over the years. So it's wonderful to be able to take a song to someone like Mary Testa and to tailor it for her voice, and I enjoy that the most. When it comes to your writing lyrics or your composing, do you have a specific process when it comes to songwriting? There really is not a specific process. I mean, there's the, I mean, there's the, first and foremost, the need to do it. I have to have a need to do it. And, and a deadline always helps me get the work done. But if you're asking that age old question, which comes first, the lyrics or the music, it doesn't, I don't really have a set process for that. But I will do a lot of research. I will often, when I'm looking to see if something can be musicalized, I'll be at the piano. I'll go to the piano and, find a color palette, so to speak, a musical palette that I begin exploring because it's not unlike choosing a palette for a painting and you want this color, that color, and that other color. I always tell people that, you know, when you're writing a musical, you're going to have to put about four, five years into it sometimes and you want to have to keep going back to that piano, go back into that music room to work. So you want to have colors and sounds and words that will bring you back to that room, even though it is very hard work every day. So I don't know, sometimes words comes first and sometimes music comes first. It all depends on what the beat is, what the character is, and what the situation is, and what I feel like when I, when I sit down at the piano. When you look at the entire process from beginning to end, all of the things that make up your creation, all the way from watching it being performed, the whole entire encompassing process. Could you pick a favorite part of what it is that you do? I think it's that first read sing through that I always love when it's just myself and the director and maybe a few other people. And we listen to the cast for the first time after they've read their music, learned some of their music, and we sit around a table and we read from our scripts. It's just us in the room and they read through the show for the first time. To me, that's always the most exciting part of the process of rehearsal. I love that. And then we know what to do next or where we're going next and it creates such a, a lovely environment. I also love the Zitz probe when we hear the orchestra for the first time. That's always a real delight when the or, um, orchestra first orchestra rehearsal with the singer. And to me, that's always a real exciting time too as well. I interviewed a lyricist not too long ago and he said in order to be a songwriter, he likened it to having a well, and he said that 
It's a well of thought and emotion, and you fill it up by reading, listening to music, or seeing art. And that's what gives inspiration. What do you think about that? I would agree to the most part. I think that you do have to read and, and learn and experience. I think that you have to have a well of experience to be someone who can write a song for character so that when you're, because that's really where the song comes from and it must come from, it can't uh, come from any other place, at least for me when it comes to theater writing. So experience for me is very important. So it's very important to experience new places and new food and new, new books and new art and, and all those things that feed into the, that feed into the human experience. I think that that's extremely important. You can't just seclude yourself when you're working in the theater because it's not one of those types of disciplines. And it's not like writing a novel where you can go to your beach house or wherever and hold yourself up for two years and then come out with a book. Theater is a community. Um, it's a, a collaborative adventure. So you have to be with people. You have to be out there. And, and so it's very important to experience all things. Go to the museum. It does provide me with inspiration. Um, when I was working on See What I Want to See, I often spent many hours in the Japanese room there just studying the uh, murals and the, the art uh, to, to get that, to feel something, to, to get that vibe going for myself. So, What do you hope someone takes away from your work? Well, it depends on the show. If I want them to think about their loved ones, I, I want, you know, in, in a show where I have a story about family or friends. I want them to leave the theater thinking about how much they love their family and friends. If I'm writing a show about the dangers of of not listening to yourself and doing making wrong choices, I want people to leave the theater and think about those political implications as well. So um, it depends on the show and what the, uh, the the theme theme of any particular show would be. That I would hope that the audience would leave. I'm not so interested in them leaving the theater humming the tunes, but I do want them to leave the theater thinking and hopefully, even most importantly, feeling something from the show that they've seen. If you can tell all the listeners, what are you working on right now? I'm about to open a new show here in New York called Queen of the Mist. It's a new musical based on the story of Annie Edson Taylor, the first woman to go over the falls in a barrel and survive. And my friend Mary Testa is uh, starring in it, and it's produced by the um, Transport Group, which is a wonderful theater company here in New York City. And then I'm planning on going into rehearsals for a new uh, musical called Giant, which is based on the Edna Ferber novel, and we're opening that down in Dallas coming up. Very interesting. <laughs> it's a big piece. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about people hearing your music in a format different from a play? That's one of the things about a play is sometimes you'll hear a favorite number and you only get to hear it once. So how do you That's feel right. about somebody like listening to your music recorded on a CD? I, uh, I, you know, I don't spend the days listening to my stuff well, on CD. <laughs> you know, once I feel like it's in the can, it's in the can. Um, I might have to go and refer to it every now and then for whatever reasons. And like, if, like doing a radio show, I might, if I'm listening to the, the broadcast, I'll hear the song for, for a while, but I don't necessarily listen to my CDs. Uh, I have to spend so much time in a recording studio that you sort of go through and you get what you want and, and hopefully it's, you know, as good as it can be. And then once it's in the can, though, I generally don't play my music back. Including theater, including basically any kind of music. Who, in your opinion, are the best songwriters of all time? 
the best songwriters of all time, regardless of genre, huh? <laughs> right. Gosh, I would have to say the 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 Beatle over is really remarkable. I mean, the the Beatles. I mean, the songs are are absolutely timeless. I love I love the songs of Carly Simon and Carol King. Um, I think those are really potent songs. I love Joni Mitchell's songs. So that's that's sort of in my pop brain. If we're talking specifically about theater, I would have to say, my goodness gracious, the best songwriter that we have living today is Stephen Sondheim, bar none. But I also love songwriters like Charles Strauss and uh, and Bach and Harnick. I love them, uh, who wrote Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, so those are, it's hard to say who's the greatest one, but there are great ones out there. And the best ones are still practicing, which is wonderful. One of the good things about a career in the arts is you get to meet people you may not otherwise be able to meet. Who have you met that was an especially thrilling experience? Oh, I met a lot of people, but I think, I mean, I might just maybe turn, twist, tweak that a little bit and say that it's who I get to work with. The thrilling experiences for some of the people that I worked with have been remarkable. Eartha Kitt was truly a wonderful time. I, I loved her very much and enjoyed being in a room with her and just thought she was just the swellest thing. I also really loved working with Mandy Patankin an awful lot. I thought he was brilliant and stunning to work with. I love working with Audrey McDonald and having her sing my music is a, is a joy. So those are thrilling experiences when you get to be in a room with someone and you're working on a song. And I've had, very fortunately, a lot of those experiences. I count myself very, very lucky and very humbled by it. Well, on that note, what is the best thing about being Michael John? <laughs> What's the best thing about being Michael John? Oh, Lord. I guess it's just the opportunity to have my shows produced and to be able to still write. That's the best thing. And to hear the, the stuff sung by remarkable actors and directed by remarkable directors and put on by really great theaters, that's the, that's the good part about it. It's a lot of hard work. And uh, you take your, 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 quite a few beatings, uh, as I have in, in the press and whatnot. But still, I wouldn't... Uh, trade it for a sack of gold as the lyric goes it's 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 showbiz and i I think that that's the good part just a lot of fun being a part of that for the last question for anyone who hears our interview wherever they are do you have any parting words of wisdom oh gosh i don't know if i'm a that kind of a guy who gives out wisdom if my students are listening you know young people who are writing I'd say just continue to work hard and work until you can't work anymore. Don't stop with what you're doing and uh, to keep your head up and, you know, write what you must write. Well spoken. Thank you very much for this interview. You're welcome, Paul. It's been lovely talking to you today. It's a pleasure. Good luck. Good luck to you. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, the entertainer. Written by Scott Joplin. 
End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.